Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sober Minded Mama podcast. This is your host, Krista, and we're back with episode three the dark history behind the modern day Halloween. So Halloween originates from practices that stem all the way back to the Roman Empire. This was a time period where these people believed that these evil spirits were among the gods who Christ had dethroned. There's a Greek historian, Herodotus. He is the father of history. He wrote that Phoenician sailors went to these British Isles for trading, and the people that the sailors traded with were the Celts. The Celts were a tribe of people that emerged in Eastern Europe, and they covered a vast territory from modern-day Turkey all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. And the Romans called these people the Gauls. And it's thought that the Celts founded the city of Galatia. So by the time of Christ, the Romans had pushed the Celtic tribes to those British Isles. And they arrived there on those Isles in 210 BC. So that's 700 years before Christ. And these Celtic people were known to be divided into two ruling classes. And these type of people, they kept their own people in a state of slavery. So the first ruling class was the knights, and the knights waged the wars, and the druids, they were in charge of worship and the sacrifices. Julius Caesar also wrote about the Gaelic druids, and Druids were followers of Druidism, which was an ancient religion prevalent among these Celts before the arrival of Christianity. Classical Druids were priests of some sort, and they specialized in the pursuit of wisdom through mystical means. And these Celts were teachers, philosophers, counselors, magicians, astrologers, and fortune tellers. Caesar writes that they worshipped forces of nature instead of God. And many tales of these Superstitious entities include stories of fairies and goblins, etc. The name Druid is derived from the Celtic word Druda, meaning sage, connected with the Greek word for oak, which is dress. These Druids would hold their ceremonies in sacred groves and other natural shrines called nematons, also built temples or ritual enclosures. They believed that the immortality of the soul could be passed from one body to another at death. They were 
are nature worshippers, and fertility cults usually focused on a certain deity who's a god or many gods, and these followers believe that by winning the favor of these gods or goddesses, then they will have fruitfulness. Fertility cults were common in ancient pagan religions, and these certain rites were performed at certain times, and these practices would ensure that their fertility um, was in place. So Caesar categorized these druids as being along the same hierarchy as the Greek and Roman gods of the New Testament. These gods included goddesses such as Aphrodite, who was the planet Venus, Artemis, who was Diana, and Demeter, who was Circe's. Gave special meaning to the changing of the seasons to nature in general, and that's why a lot of these practices or rituals happen when seasons change so seasonally every year they'll have these festivals the same time the center of artemis diana worship was in ephesius where paul eventually brought the gospel to these people it says in acts 19:23 to 24 the silversmiths who made idols of diana opposed what paul was doing in Acts 19, 25-41, it says, The silversmiths were afraid of losing business and started a riot against Paul, since many people were trusting in Jesus and turning away from Diana. In the Old Testament, the Canaanite religions included these fertility cults, and they usually focused their worship on Baal and Asherah. Baal, they believed, was the god of the sun. He was a weather god considered responsible for the fertility of the vegetation, and he was esteemed as the king of the gods. According to the Canaanite mythology, Baal was the son of El, the chief god, and Asherah was the goddess of the sea. And Baal was considered the most powerful of all of the gods. These Canaanites, they worshipped Baal as the sun god and as the storm god, and he's depicted as holding a lightning bolt and sometimes he is depicted as having two bullhorns on his head. The Celtic people, they made sacrifices of prisoners of war, of criminals, and they burned them alive in tall wicker images. Now what's interesting about that is this huge festival that takes place in the middle of the desert, they burn a huge wicker man in the middle of the desert. And who else knows what goes on there but people in modern time bring this old pagan festival and they continue to celebrate it to this day. So that's just one example of a pagan festival that has been converted to this newer age day and it's celebrated like I, I feel like we can't escape the full sin of humanity even though jesus died for that and it's sad um it gets darker where the celts they provided children's sacrifices to Baal. it says in jeremiah nineteen five. 
At times, appeasing Baal required human sacrifice. Usually, the firstborn of the one making the sacrifice was sacrificed. So, child sacrifice is basically the ritualistic killing of a child or a baby in order to please or appease a deity who is a supernatural being. And they hold sacred social order. Child sacrifice is still a form of or baby sacrifice is still a form of human sacrifice. So they killed and murdered and sacrificed these babies and children because it was thought to be a a more extreme extension of this idea that the more important the object they sacrificed was, the more devote the person rendering it is to the idol they were praying to or giving sacrifices to. Baal worship was also rooted in sensuality and involved ritualistic prostitution in these temples. In the Bible, it says God rightly condemns fertility cults and rituals. In 1 Kings 18.28, it says that the priest of Baal appealed to their God in rites of wild abandon, which included loud ecstatic cries and self-inflicted injury. In Deuteronomy 6, 14 to 15, it says, Before the Hebrews entered the promised land, the Lord God warned against worshiping Canaan's gods, but Israel turned to idolatry anyway. During the reign of Ahab and Jezebel, at the height of Baal worship in Israel, God directly confronted this paganism through his prophet Elijah. So in 1 Kings 17, 1, it says that first God showed that he, not Baal, controlled the rain by sending a drought lasting three and one half years. Then God told Elijah to call for a showdown on Mount Carmel, and he wanted to prove once and for all who the true God was. In 1 Kings 18.29, it says, All day long, 450 prophets of Baal called on their gods to send fire from heaven. Surely an easy task for God associated with lightning bolts. But there was no response and no one answered and no one paid attention. So after Baal's prophets gave up, Elijah prayed a simple prayer and God answered immediately with fire from heaven. The evidence was overwhelming to the people. And the people, it says in verse 39, fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. In Matthew twelve twenty seven, Jesus calls Satan Beelzebub, linking the devil to Baal Zebub, a Philistine deity. From 2 Kings 1, 2 says, Now Moab broke with Israel after the death of Ahab, and Uzziah fell through the window lattice in his upper chamber which was in samaria and became ill so he sent messengers and said to them go inquire of baal the god of akron whether i will recover from this sickness but the angel of the lord said to elijah the tishbite arise go up to meet the messengers of the king of samaria and say to them is it because there is no god in israel that you are going to inquire of baal the god of akron Now, therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not get down from the bed upon which you have lain, but you shall certainly die. Then Elijah departed. So God is sending Elijah to the people of Israel. And he 
is trying to get these people to wake up so they can see that he is the true king and that all of their worshiping, their sacrificing, all of that was just unholy and, as it said, barbaric. The Romans would call it barbaric. Another example of all of this happening in the Bible is in 1 Corinthians 10.20, the Balaam of the Old Testament were nothing more than demons masquerading as gods. In all idolatry is ultimately devil worship. Much of the Mosaic law back then dealt with the detestable practices of the Canaanite pagan religions. Specifically, God commanded the Israelites not to set up altars to Baal or to plant trees to Asherah. You can find that in Deuteronomy 16.21. Scripture repeatedly condemned the horrible practice of sacrificing children to Malach. In Leviticus 18.21, it says, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Malak, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Furthermore, God also denounced shrine prostitution and prohibited any Israelite from becoming a shrine prostitute. And in Deuteronomy 23.17, it is said, None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute. God calls us as his sons and daughters to not partake in cults because we will be led astray. These commands and and pleads from God through his true prophets are it's hard to read. I feel like we stray so far into idolatry at times and it's just it is really sad. Because all God wants to give us is love, is a kingdom full of peace and happiness and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit. But, you know, despite these commands, we still fall short of that. Like the Israelites, they often disobeyed God and they just continued participating in these fertility cults and idolatry and everything that was ungodly and unholy. We still see that in today's society. Fertility rituals are still practiced today in some Wiccan and neo-pagan groups. Basically, any teaching that per- personifies the earth, the nature, the universe, mother goddess, Gaia, any of that new age stuff that you see more of today, all of that to these ancient fertility cults and all this stuff is converted from the past to the future and just because we make it all pretty doesn't mean that it is god is the only one who can bring about fertility in deuteronomy it says that life and death are in his hands it says see now that i i am he and there is no god besides me it is i who put to death and give life I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And there is no one who can save anyone from my hand. The attempts of fertility cults to ensure fruitfulness were and are futile because the Lord is in control of all things. In Daniel, it says he brings about seasons. It says, 
It is he who changes the times and the periods. He removes kings and appoints kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to people of understanding. It says in Matthew 5.45 that he gives the rain so that you may prove yourself to be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And in Leviticus, it mentions how God brings us the crops. It says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, God alone is responsible for opening and closing wombs, the wombs of both humans and the animals. Some more examples that I'm not going to read, but we can look up at a different time. You can find these examples in Genesis 29, 31, 30, 22. You can find examples in Exodus 34, 19, and in 1 Samuel 1 to 5. The Celtic people celebrated four seasonal festivals, but the one that Halloween derives from is Samhain. So Samhain, it marks the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the winter or the darker half of the year. It begins on the evening of the 31st of October, and since the Celtic day began and ended at sunset, that would be about halfway between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. Early literature says that they participated in these great gatherings, in these great feasts, and the ancient burial mounds were open, which were seen as portals to the other world. So the Celts, they believed the boundary between the world, this world, and the other world thinned around this time. And it meant that like these spirits could more easily come into our world. Their gods were meant with offerings and sacrifices, food and drink. And all of that was to ensure that their people and their livestock survived the winter. Divination was also a big part of these festivals. and also involved sacrifices. When King Hosea brought reforms to Judah, he had to clear the temple of many things associated with fertility cults. From 2 Kings 23.4, it says, The king commanded Haiga, the high priest, the priest of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the utensils that had been made for Baal for Asherah, and for all of the heavenly lights, and he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron Valley, and carried their ashes to Bethel. The Celtic people often made these offerings, which were treasured items, and these would be deposited in water or in the wetlands, in ritual shafts, in wells, all over the place. The Celtic households had their own festivities, they still held the same beliefs, but they believed that the souls of the dead kin were thought to revisit their homes. These spirits were thought to seek hospitality, so they would set a place at the table for them during dinner or by the fireplace to welcome them into their home. In the beginning of winter, that may have been seen as the most fitting time to do any of these rituals because it was a time of dying in nature. There's just so much about the belief that these souls of the dead return on one night of the year, and it just has ancient origins. 
and it's found in many different cultures throughout the world, not just with the Celts. Mumming and Gaizen were part of these in the costume, reciting verses in exchange for food. Throughout the Gaelic regions, there were many rituals that were intended to divine the future of those who gathered in regards to their death or marriage. Tarot cards. So those type of games, even Ouija boards, that type of stuff existed. And those are another two examples of pagan rituals that people today play as games. Apples and hazelnuts were often used in these divination rituals and games. Apples were strongly associated with the other world and immortality. And hazelnuts were associated with a divine wisdom. And another game that's most common today and was back then was bobbing for apples. Another involved hanging a small wooden rod from the ceiling at head height with a lit candle on one end and an apple hanging from the other and the rod was spun around and everyone took turns to try and catch the apple with their teeth. That ritual reminds me of like when you try to get the donut off the string. I don't know. Apples were peeled in one long strip and the pail was tossed over the shoulder and the shape the pail took was said to form the first letter of the future spouse's name. Two hazelnuts that were roasted near a fire, one named for the person roasting them and then the other was for the person that they desired. So if the nuts jumped away from the heat, it was a bad sign. But if the nuts roasted quietly, it foretold a good match. Offerings and food and drink would be left outside of their houses for spirit. Little is known about the Celts and the Druids. They were forbidden to record their ancient rituals in practice. They were forbidden to write any of it down. The Celts passed down their traditions and these rituals and these practices by word of mouth. So it was passed from generation within their Celtic circles and within their Druid circles, and they kept their lore a secret. Soon this great power that all these Druids had over their people, it interfered with the Romans' rule in Britain. So conversion converts were being made in Rome. Augustus forbade Romans to become initiated to any of these Druid religions, or they would be put to death. And the Druids, the Celtics, the people... They were forbidden to practice any of the rites in Britain, so they fled to the Isles of Man, when I mentioned in the beginning, and the Romans pursued the the Celtic cult in 61 AD, and most of them were slaughtered or converted to the Christian faith. So religious syncretism was happening all around different parts of Europe at that time, and basically that's the blending of two or more religious belief systems, and it creates a new system. All of it's incorporated into a new religious tradition of beliefs from unrelated traditions. You can't be of the dark end of the light. Religious syncretism, it happened quite commonly in these areas where multiple religious traditions existed and where these people function actively in a culture. And also, when a certain culture was conquered, the conquerors brought their religious beliefs with them They eradicated the old beliefs, especially different rituals, and made it their own. The syncretism was accepted in most locations, but one location where it was rejected was by the Jews and did not want to call Zeus Yahweh. 
it was just blasphemy to them. So right there, we can see that the Jews understood that God was the only one whom they should be praying and idolizing, right? Not these other pagan gods or idols. They knew that was adulterous. In the Bible, Yahweh states to the prophet Jeremiah, they have built the high places a topath in the valley of Ben-Hinnon to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. So in that passage, it indicates that the Jews, they had a really big desire for Yahweh, for God. The Celtics had these bonfires, and when they did their sacrifices, they were lit upon hills. These sacrifices were meant to urge their gods to protect them and to bless their lands, to bless their herds. The omens that were performed happened after the sacrifice because they used the remains. And from casting or predicting omens, these Druids became known as prophets. Later on, they were known as magicians due to their use of magic and so then there's a term that was called black magic, and that was a new term that was being used to describe the omens in the oracles, in the rituals, all saying that they held some type of evil, which they probably did. In the 6th century, King Olaf, he meshed the pagan gods with the Christian gods when he took over his land. In the 8th and the 10th centuries, the Norsemen were compared to the Celts. And these Norsemen, the Vikings, they had their own 12 different gods and goddesses. Christianity had been infiltrating these lands, and soon enough, the Christianity was turning all of the old gods into spirits of evil. But what happened was Christianity was combined with all these ethic traditions and old pagan practices and problems arose like what did they think was going to happen when you combined Christianity with pagan traditions and practices something bad was bound to happen in Romans 1 25 it says for they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen the passage warns us that danger happens when sliding from worshiping the creator to worshiping his creation. Seeking spiritual experiences without being grounded in the Bible has caused many different kinds of trouble throughout history and still remains to this day. Like there's trouble that still remains to this day because of all of that. The word all hollow tide was first used in the 14th century, and it was derived from the three words, hollow meaning holy, tide meaning time or season, and then all meaning every. All hollow tide is made up of three daily events. All Saints Eve is Halloween, All Saints Day, which is All Hallows, and All Souls Day. All Hallows Eve is often contracted as Halloween. Halloween came from All Hallows Eve, but all of this stuff came from the pagan stuff. So this is where we lose people when they're like, oh, well, Halloween isn't a pagan religion anymore. Well, it still is. All Hallows Eve is the Eve of All Hallows, which is All Saints Day. And it's the first day of All Hallow Time. So according to some scholars, the Christian church, they absorbed some of this Celtic practice that was associated with Solomon, and they Christianized 
the, these celebrations in order to ease their Celts who they converted to Christianity. So it sounds like they wanted to include everyone. So they kept the re- re- these practices, but like made them into their own. They still believe that the veil between the material world and the afterlife was thinned. In order to prevent recognition of by a soul or by one of the spirits, jump ahead to America, this tradition nowadays is perpetuated through the practice of trick-or-treating and dressing up and trick-or-treating. In medieval Poland, believers were taught to pray out loud as they walked through the forest in order so that the spirits of the dead might find comfort. In Spain, Christian priests tolled their church bells in order to allow their congregants to remember the dead on All Hallows' Eve. is known as the Vigil of All Hallows, or the Vigil of All Saints, or the Night of Light. And it just turned into the Vigil of All Hallows. But all of that, the vigils, the lighting of candles, comes from burning wickers from the bonfire. They use candles now, and they don't dance around fires, but they sit in a church. So after these services, suitable festivities and entertainments follow. They visit graveyards or cemeteries. They put flowers down and candles are often placed in preparation for All Saints Day. All Saints Day, it's the second day of All Hallowtide, and it's known as All Saints Day, or All Hallows, or All Hallowmas, and that occurs on November 1st, and on All Saints Day, it's a holy day, said to be a holy day, to honor all the saints. The color that they wear on All Saints Day is white, and it's symbolic to victory and life. This is a common practice in countries including Spain, Poland, the Philippines, as well as parts of the United States that were heavily influenced by the Roman Catholicism. For Roman Catholic Christians, attending Mass is compulsory, as All Saints Day, All Hallows, is also a day of obligation to go to the church. For members of other Christian denominations, such as Episcopal Church, Delical Lutheran Church, Methodist Church, and some Protestant Christians, a service is held, although it's not mandatory, but attendance is encouraged. All Saints Day and All Souls Day have meshed together, and on both days, they just remember all the dead souls or all of the saints. The observance of All Souls Day was spread throughout Europe, and in the early 11th century, like All Hallows Eve and All Saints Day, family members often attended the Mass. And they visited the graves of their deceased loved ones, placing flowers, lighting candles. Poor men, they would go round and round to different houses and they would do souling, begging for money, apples and ale, like whatever they wanted or needed, they would beg for it. Um, And in some parts, especially baked cakes were prepared in readiness to give away to the people who were doing souling so these cakes became known as soul cakes the individuals who would go souling often chant rhymes as they go door to door and for an example an old saying goes a soul cake a soul cake have mercy on all christian souls for a soul cake so that was just a little background of what all hallows all hallow tide is and the three different days are kind of incorporated into that um so this um, 
All Hollow. So All Hollow Tide came from a period after the Christians took over the Celtic paganism and meshed it all together. So they wanted to still celebrate this day and give remembrance to the dead. It's just kind of, it's just like a weird conversion, if you will, from paganism into the church. From the time of the Middle Ages, witches were accused of being witches and using the craft. And most of these people who were accused were women. So these unlawful wisdoms from the traditions of these pagan practices led to the first accusations of the witches. And these unlawful wisdoms have always been brought against the witches. Mirrors are often mentioned, looking glasses, crystals, the use of astrology, and doing divination. By the 15th century, the term of Satan took the place of these pagan gods and assumed control over all of the evil creatures. An example of a pagan ritual that survived into the Christian times was recorded in the 17th century and throughout history all the way up until now. There's so many examples. I've probably mentioned already like 10 that we still do in modern time. Newer practices of Samhain involve people going from house to house in costume, in disguise, usually reciting songs or verses in exchange for food. So now we're in the 15th century. Like this comes from before it evolves from the traditions where people impersonated these spirits or the souls of the dead in order to protect themselves from these spirits. They received offerings on their behalf. In Scotland, young men went house to house with masks. They painted their faces or they blackened their faces with ashes. The bonfire ash was used for protection. This is the 16th century in Scotland. Um, They played a lot of pranks at Samhain and it's recorded in the Scottish Highlands as far back as the 17th century and was also common in Ireland. And all of that led to Samhain being nicknamed Mischief Night. In colonial days, Halloween was not yet celebrated because the English still kept most of their customs in place. Um, The 17th century persecution of witches in Europe made its way over to America. From the 14th century to the 18th century, people were thought of practicing this witchcraft, and they were thought to be in service to the devil, and a lot were persecuted and hung. The Great Awakening in colonial America emphasized the traditional reformed virtues of godly preaching and a deep awareness of personal sin and redemption by Christ Jesus spurred on by powerful preaching that deeply affected listeners. This great awakening in colonial America, the awakening had a major impact in reshaping the way the church was, congregational, Presbyterian, Dutch reformed, and German reformed denominations and it strengthened the small Baptist and Methodist denominations. So there are so many people from all these different religions because the Great Awakening helped reform the church, and it brought Christianity to the slaves even. That was a powerful event that happened right here in New England, and it challenged and it established authority. It incited rancor and division between the new revivalists and the old traditionalists who insisted on ritual 
piety and their self-awareness. So the new style of the sermon and preaching in the second great awakening, the way that people practice their faiths, it breathed new life into religion in America. And people became passionately and emotionally involved in the religion rather than passively listening to intellectual discourse in a detached manner. Wearing costumes and dressing up on Halloween spread well into the 20th century, as did the custom of playing pranks in other games, in parties, partying, in festivals, festivities. All these customs of Halloween today in the U.S. are borrowed directly or adapted from other countries. And through this American influence of the holiday of Halloween, it has spread to other countries by the late 20th and early 21st century. So that was the history of Halloween, of where Halloween originated from, which was from the Druids, these old pagan witches, basically, who made sacrifices to Satan. Um Okay, so what does this history have to do with Halloween today? Where is the connection? The connection is right from the beginning. It says it in the Bible. It's right from the beginning when the Canaanites were worshiping these false gods. They were putting up statues, false idols. There was just so many different groups and tribes and people in the wilderness who had their own gods. Um, and this just kept going on and on throughout history. And it, and still to this day, like in the seventies, the church of Satan and all these, like the Wiccan religion, all of this stuff. Right. So the connection just never left. It's always been there. Halloween is pagan. It might not seem pagan because like you're going to dress your daughter up in a princess costume and you're going to go to door to door asking for candy. Okay, that might seem innocent, but is it? These rituals and practices have just evolved over time. Mm -hmm. 